Fantastic job, choir, and thank you, Dr. Frazier, as always, for filling in. What a joy it is to be here together today. We've read the scripture already in Genesis chapter 22, and I want you to go ahead in your Bible and flip back to that passage because I'm going to be referencing two specific verses within that larger passage that I want everyone to take key notice of. As I begin this sermon, I'm also going to begin it in a little bit of a different format. Typically, a pastor does not go ahead and give you the points to all of the sermon in the introduction, but I feel like it is necessary as we begin to endeavor upon this series, Generation to Generation. Specifically, I want you to hear and understand the following. Every great story that is retold from generation to generation has two important facets. Number one, the story has a truth that challenges. And number two, every story that is retold from generation to generation has a hope that inspires. Now, just to know that you're with me and that the Sunday morning cobwebs have loosened themselves, repeat after me. A truth that challenges. A hope that inspires. All right, we're ready to go. This has been something that I've journeyed through as I reflected upon stories that have been retold to me again and again just within my own family tree. There are similar stories in your family, no doubt. Stories that involved perhaps great-grandparents or grandparents. They've become almost more fictitious in nature because as you've heard them again and again, some, if not all, of the details are embellished to make us understand that truly something extraordinary happened. There was within them a truth that challenged. There was within them a hope that inspires and certainly is the case with my own paternal and maternal grandparents. They were members of the greatest generation, those who lived to see not only Great Depression, but World War II. And from them leaps from their hearts and minds great stories that are being retold over and over again. Such is the case with my maternal grandparents, Ralph and Alice Lattimore. My grandfather was a career Baptist minister. So instead of going to the front lines in Europe, his battlegrounds were firmly within the rural counties of South Carolina and Georgia. He was dirt poor and was seeking a pulpit to fill so that he could provide for his family. When one country church called him for a trial sermon, he delivered the sermon. And then afterwards, there was a church in conference held right out on the church steps. They didn't want the pastor in question to be present So they sent him on down the line to a grove of pine trees and said, we'll call you when we're ready. As he was walking towards the pine trees, he heard someone give him a dog whistle and say, come on back here, preacher, you'll do. 
Within that story, there is a truth that challenges. We'll all do in God's service, not because we are qualified, but because God qualifies the called. And there is also a hope that inspires that from the most humble of beginnings, as was the case of my grandfather, you can go on to make deep impact generation to generation as a 45-year career as a Baptist minister will attest. But there was also stories in my paternal grandparents. My grandfather, Murray Hughes, did serve in World War II and was on the front line in Europe. His wife, my grandmother, stayed home, as did so many other wives, and she, like so many others, feared that her loved one would never return home. It was in one period for about two or three months that there was no word from my grandfather. Everyone began to get concerned in the small town of Greer, South Carolina, especially my grandmother, who was living with her in-laws, until one morning when a letter from Europe arrived, written in my grandfather's handwriting. The postman knew the significance of that letter, and as he carried it to the house where my grandmother slept, he was proclaiming through the streets, the letter from Murray has arrived. Everyone without air conditioning slept in that time with windows open. Everybody heard that the general great news had arrived, that he was alive and well. Likewise, within that story, there's a truth that challenges. We don't always get what we want, but there's also a hope that inspires. God will always provide exactly what we need. I'm sure there are general stories in your family lines that reflect those indelible qualities, stories that likewise are retold again and again. And I would conjecture that one of the reasons that they are retold is because they have a truth that challenges and a hope that inspires. Our scripture today is no different, even though when we read it at first glance, we might come away with it thinking, this story seems odd, perhaps even weird. After all, why would God ever ask any parent to sacrifice their child? What's the purpose of this story? But moreover, why? Oh, why is it something that we herald within our Christian tradition today as something that should be a guiding light, as something that should have a truth to challenge and a hope that will inspire? I think if we look deeply within the story, we can see both, and I want to point them out to you today. Beginning in verse 12, this is a conversation in which God is speaking to Abraham, he who was called to be the father of many nations, he who was given the way to be the father of many nations through his son Isaac at an old age, and he who is now contemplating the reality that God is asking him to sacrifice that very way forward. This verse struck me as I read it in study this week. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. 
Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Seeing within Isaac all that Abraham views as precious and the fulfillment of the promise and hearing God say that now I know that you fear me, we can see a truth that will challenge. For within this scripture, knowing that we fear God is reflected in our ability to take anything, everything that could ever rival his supremacy and willingly submit it to him and say, God, do as you will. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 says, Abraham had such faith that he placed his son on the altar, knowing that even if Isaac died, God would raise him from the dead. But I don't know if that's what Abraham is thinking at all. I think what Abraham is thinking is that which is most precious to me. He who represents the greatest promise of life and future. I'm expressing to God above. He who called me from a distant land and said, go to the land that I will show you that nothing, nobody will ever rival God's supremacy. So my friends, from this scripture, we can deduce the truth that challenges for us today, that there is nothing or nobody that we can allow to challenge God's supremacy. And we should always be aware from that moment in which God might ask us to make sure that our hearts are correct, to make sure that not even our own family or business or career or finance could ever or would ever take God's rightful place atop the supremacy in our hearts and our minds. And when we too are able to say, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, we can likewise be people who are praised by God because we have feared God, given him his correct due and respect in our lives, but in return, being able to receive a hope that inspires. Read with me the following verse in your scripture, verse 13 and 14. It reads, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. We can see in this scripture hope that inspires a future, hope that inspires courage, and hope that inspires life of purpose and consequence. For you see, in the ancient tradition, it is being established that in that region of Moriah, and in fact, on that very mount where Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, Isaac, it would be generations upon generations later that Solomon, the king and heir to the King David's throne, would establish his temple. 
that which in the ancient world was viewed as a wonder and that which a people of God went to for thousands of years to make sacrifices of atonement for their sin. In other words, because of what Abraham did as the father of faith, so too were many to follow, bringing to God their recognition of sin in their life, but also having means and ways to receive God's forgiveness. It is a hope that inspires, but it does not stop there. For you see nearby where that temple mount would have been in the city of Jerusalem, there was to be another mountain known as Golgotha or Calvary. It was there that Jesus Christ, the one who was God's only son, just like Isaac was to Abraham, went outside the city gates and willingly laid his life down as a sacrifice for you and for me. Only this time, God did not intercede. He did not provide a way for Jesus to elude death. No, in fact, he allowed Jesus to experience the throes and agonies of a physical death, also that we might receive an atonement a forgiveness of our sins that would last throughout all generations so that you and I do not need to go and sacrifice a living animal to express our repentance and our guilt so that you and I can instead, with a hope that inspires, go before a loving God in prayer and simply say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And with words of grace, God reaches out to your hearts and minds and says, It is forgiven. For Jesus served as the sacrifice. He paid the penalty that you and I rightfully deserve. And with grace now, my child, I send you forward to proclaim a life story that always possesses those two indelible qualities so that your story will be retold over and over again from generation to generation, and they are a truth that will challenge and a hope that will inspire. It is for that reason that Paul proclaims in doxology another word for praise in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine, To him be all glory and praise in Christ Jesus through the church forever and ever. Amen. That, my friends, is a charge for us, for we need to evaluate how are we living. Are we living a life that is truly expressing gratitude to generations past who have shown us how the story occurs, but more importantly, are we living a life for generations future which shows why a relationship with Jesus matters? 
In that spirit, I have some questions for you that I want you to write down to answer throughout this week so that you can understand more fully generation to generation, so that you can understand more fully a truth that challenges and a hope that inspires, and they are the following. Write out how Jesus is challenging you with truth here and now to live in a better way. How is Jesus Christ challenging you with truth through his ministry to you so that you will live in a deeper and more meaningful way? And point number two, write out how his hope is inspiring you to go about and do life differently, to make every graveyard a garden, to make things that are broken be new again, and to look at a life that is yours and the future so that people throughout all generations will proclaim correctly only Jesus Christ. Now, I've got you on those first two points, right? You've written them down. You have an assignment. Here's the third and final piece. It is undoubtedly the most difficult and the one that requires the greatest measure of courage. Having written answers for those first two questions, I have a third step for you. I want you to share what you have written or explored with someone else. Another word for that is to give a testimony. But all a testimony truly is, is to show how our story was found in his story, which is ultimately history. My friends, as we launch into this important season of celebration, let us understand clearly and correctly It is not just a celebration of 175 years past. Great though it may be, and we proclaim God as faithful, but moreover, it is to turn our hearts and minds to 175 years future or till Jesus comes again. We are being sent forward in this time, and we are inviting everybody and anybody to come and be a part. And one day when we are long gone, and there's nothing left to remember us other than a tombstone or a placard, people will still retell the story, because as you know, it has a truth that will challenge and always a hope that will inspire. May we pray together. Our most faithful Savior, Jesus, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Such a power calls us to respond, to move, to live differently. And so in this time of invitation, I pray that there would be courage on behalf of those who profess your name to begin that journey, to move, to come forward, to live differently, and to say, I have decided to follow Jesus maybe for the first time or maybe renewing this time or maybe in a different way. We ask and pray for your presence as we continue. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.